0: Hey ladies, before we dive into the episode, I wanted to remind you of another awesome resource for stepmoms. It was the resource I desperately needed when I was in the thick of all my stepmom feelings. So what is it? Stepmom Magazine. Stepmom Magazine is a monthly online publication and each issue is full of articles from therapists and stepfamily experts who know exactly what you're going through and what to do about it because they're stepmoms too. When you subscribe, you not only get the monthly issue, but access to a private group forum where you can talk with other stepmoms from around the world. There's also eBooks on hot topics like raising teens, being a full-time stepmom, parental alienation, and so much more. They're all available to download right now. Joining is easy. Head to stepmommagazine.com and use the code RADICAL20 to save 20%. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know how much you love it. Now, on to the episode. Hello, ladies. This week's episode is a re-release from Season 3. I've been getting an increase in questions about managing high-conflict, And how to maintain those boundaries so here's a little refresher from psychologist and stepmom michelle enjoy hello you are listening to radical stepmoms this is christina on this episode i am having dr michelle longvinsky join me she is a licensed clinical psychologist who works with families during divorce and when families blend that only is she educated in all, all the psychological complexities of blended family life but she's also a stepmom. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Christina. Thank you for coming on. This is, um, this is a long year and four episode, and I found you on Instagram, and I've loved your content and the things that you're putting out there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's the one who can come on and really talk about what it is to be in a blended family while you're also navigating the high conflict um, situations. Um, So thank you so much for joining. Um, Let's first dive into, I like to ask all of my guests who are also stepmoms, tell us a little bit about your stepmom journey.
1: Yes, I'd be happy to. So I have been, I'm not good with numbers. I think it's been 11 years so, I don't know how you define stepmom. We just celebrated our seven year wedding anniversary. So, I don't know if I officially became a, a stepmom then, but we actually, um, my husband and I, we moved in together after two years and he shares 50 50 custody with his ex. And so, his two girls moved in along with us. And so we've been under the same roof for, for longer than that because we actually then ended up marrying two years after that, four years into the relationship. So um, I think I've, you know, functioned as a, quote, stepmom for longer, than, for about a decade, we'll say, mm-hmm. roughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I met them when they were six and nine, and they are currently let me get this right, 18 and almost 21. Wow. Yeah. Through the teenage years, what was that like? Just real briefly, because I'm <laughs> the only questions about that. How you survived? you know, You know, I, the thing about the teen years, I think just every child is different. Every individual is different. And so I think with one of our girls, like, it was pretty easy breezy maybe until like senior year it started to get not so easy breezy. Mm -hmm. And then with our other one, you know, we knew like from a pretty early age that it was going to be a bit of a bumpy ride with her. She just, you know, she shows up in a big way, always has, um, Mm -hmm. and continues to, and we love her for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a little bit more, you know, it's been more drama with her, um, but, you know, unique challenges with both of them. But honestly, my in terms of my personal relationship with those two, um, I, I think my journey is probably a little unique in that I want to say it was smooth, smooth sailing for us certainly upon meeting um you know that like romancing honeymoon period then you know when we moved in together no resistance they were fully on board two years later we engaged they were thrilled mm-hmm. you know fully on board mm-hmm. um and then we hit a really big wall about <laughs> a year in to <laughs> the marriage when we announced that we were pregnant. Oh. They were not expecting that curveball. They had not factored that in. Mm-hmm. And um and I don't know honestly in hindsight, I don't know if we were right to not talk to them more about the possibility of that. That was my own journey. You know, I have always kind of been ambivalent about having my own children for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, I had my son when I was 39. So, you know, I I, I took as much, literally as much time as I could (laughs) to make that decision. So, um, you know, it was kind of just existential stuff for me and all of these things that I wouldn't even think to include young children in a discussion of. And so they were, I think they were just shocked. Mm -hmm. They were shocked by it and um, it took a really, really long time to get back. And honestly, I don't know if we've ever really gotten back, you know, because the system changed at that point, you know, a new person came into the system and when that happens, every other member of the system has to kind of adapt. And um, so I don't know that we ever got back to the place that we were as a family before my son. Um, but I, you know, I, I think today, um, you know, we're in such like a, a deeper and richer place, you know, as having him in the family and I see their relationships developing and, um, yeah. So it's, it's been a bit of an odyssey there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, having the RS baby definitely throws, like you said, that curve ball. Um, and, I mean, we're all adapting still, and my daughter is, you know, three. And I think that it just continues to morph into new challenges and new like things that we overcome and stuff like that just with their own mental development um and their own maturity. You know, my yeah. stepson's he's nine, and he at this age can like kind of chill with his sister and they play Legos together and they do stuff. But then, you know, there's times when he's like, oh, my God, she's so annoying. Like, get her away from me. Why does she never stop talking? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, you know, navigating that, you know, trying to meet each other's needs and stuff. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and all of that, all of those differences, because there's obviously a, a much larger uh, age spread between my son and his sisters, um, It those differences have been so magnified. Because of COVID, right? Because everyone just on top of each other. And so I have him doing kindergarten from home. And then I have one of my stepdaughters applying to colleges for next yeah. year. Like right? those are really different developmental stages, you know? And so you really have to, as as a parent and as a step parent, you have to a lot of it has to do with managing your expectations, right? and yeah. that's where oh, most people kind of step into the pitfalls is that they i think they imagine what step blended familyhood is going to look like and it ends up never looking anything like that yep it's you know which is not to say that it's you know so much worse so much better it's just it's like most things like, They most things as we imagine them are not actually how they exactly turn out to be in real life, right? So, but with this, this is such a big, I mean, this is like such a big investment. Not only are you investing, you know, with a with a life partner, but you've got other, you know, young, impressionable lives in the mix. Mm -hmm. And it feels and you know, the stakes are high. It doesn't just feel like it. The stakes are, in fact, high. Yeah, it's
0: a lot of pressure, and I think it's funny for me personally, where um, I I manage anxiety, like everyday anxiety, and um, I often go down the rabbit holes of all the different scenarios and all the different things, and kind of like you know needing to think out every outcome so I can feel prepared. <laughs> and I've done that nearly in every part of my life except for. <laughs> when I was first dating my husband and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, there's no, you know, like I wasn't like catastrophizing, like anything that I Mm -hmm. usually do. And then all of a sudden I'm like blindsided where I'm like, oh, (laughs) this is, I actually, there was a lot more for me to be concerned about or anxious about. Um, so then I'm kind of like backpedaling, especially like in the early years. Um, or I'm like, "Oh, this I was not aware that this was going to be a problem. Me just, you know, showing up to a school event is causing big big problems." Um yes.
1: Yeah. So yes. And then blended family life, there's just a million of those opportunities, right? And um boy, is that a tough one. And it I I Gotta say this, it sucks the most for the kid, mm-hmm. right? The kid who's what, doing whatever, you know, showcasing whatever, because I'm pretty sure if all of the adults could just play nice mm-hmm. and pretend like they're okay with it, even if they're not, the kid wants all of you. The kid wants as many people there who they feel love them and support them. Mm-hmm. Supporting them and loving them. That's what the kid wants, right? And it gets complicated when the adult egos get involved, right? That the kid sees bio mom crying and then all of a sudden he doesn't or she doesn't want you there anymore because I don't want to deal with my mother crying while I'm, you know, competing for whatever. Mm -hmm.
0: So in our own, in our own experiences kind of come through that because I mean, um, like, as a kid who had stepmoms and stepdads and stuff, I was fortunate enough for both my parents were in that mindset of we're here for fur. So all of my parents were at graduations. All of my parents were at my wedding. I had my dad and my stepdad walk me down the aisle. Like all of it was like, great. And so yeah. then it's like when I'm in, you know, my parents, experience. And I'm just like, what's the big deal? Like, why can't we all just get along? Well, there's, there's a little bit more to it. There's that high conflict piece. So,
1: um,
0: let's discuss. So your profession, give a little background about like what you do, your practice, um, how you help families through divorce or blending. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. So I actually, uh, the majority, I, I been a therapist for I think I'm coming up to 25 years. Mm -hmm. I don't want to age myself, but don't do the math. Um, You know, in terms of just like doing working with populations, you know, doing service of some kind, um, whether it's administrative or direct service, I've pretty much solely been in mental health and it for about 25 years and a good, good chunk of that time. I want to say maybe 15 of those years were dedicated. Um, I worked at, you know, various, uh, agencies, arms, I'll call them, of Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health. And so, you know, I I don't know if you're familiar, I'm sure you are. County is basically where people go for services when, you know, they don't have insurance or they're disabled or, you know. And so, I actually really like closest to my heart. I want to say is the chronically and persistently mentally ill. Like those are my homies. (laughs) I love those guys so much, and I think that's why I stayed as long as I did because I just i i got so much meaning out of you know because I was there for so long. I ended up advancing, you know, I, I was program director. And so I was able to like, you know, write policies, I ended up uh, opening an outpatient clinic for them, because we were just stationed in like a, a residential setting. So then we were able to like open our doors to the rest of the community. It was still county folk, right. But um, there was just know, there's such a sense of meaning that I got from it. Um, And I I don't know, I just connected with that population for whatever reason. So point being, I have now entered the private sector, I want to say it was like maybe three and a half years ago. And since that time, um, my best friend and business partner, not officially, but I'll just refer to her as such, um, used to be a... um, Family law mediator before Ooh. she became a psychologist. She had 14 years' experience doing that. And so she had a lot of contacts. She was also going into the private sector, had a lot of contacts in family law. She has like a lot of really good friends who are family law attorneys, mediators, that sort of thing. And so, and I myself have been through a divorce. So she and I got together and we started, uh, what we initially called divorce support groups. And then we changed that to divorce empowerment. Mm. I don't know why a word can be powerful, right? Absolutely. yeah. And I think it was also just more reflective of the work that we did in there and like, you know, our philosophy. Um, It is really to empower people, you know, during, post, sometimes, you know, pre- so um, we started running two groups a week, one out of our Santa Monica office, one out of our Woodland Hills office. Then COVID happened. We transitioned to online platforms. So we still do it twice a week via Zoom. And um, a lot of my practice has developed, you know, out, out of the, the these communities from these groups. And I will tell you, I, I joke with my my good friend, Sherry, and I say, I sometimes think it's in the water. <laughs> every, I don't know, nine out of 10 people that we get through group are usually the outspouse. You know what that is, right? So that's not the one who, right? Okay, so the outspouse. So they're the ones without the resources. They're the ones that, Oftentimes, you know, they're the ones who are responding to being petitioned for divorce, right? Um, anyways, the thing in the water, Christina, I don't know <laughs> if you know this, if you've noticed, is this pathological, abusive narcissism mm-hmm. that um, is, it, it's almost like formulaic. At, at a certain point, after you hear the same story, it's like, "What is going on, Candy Camera? What is happening here?" Mm-hmm. Uh, the same story, you know, in various different forms, but you know, those major oh, yeah. points are yeah. there, right? The yeah. gaslighting, yeah. the manipulation, the lack, complete lack of accountability for any wrongdoing, everything, you know. You are blamed for everything that goes wrong in the relationship, the experience of walking on eggshells, like it's formulaic on both sides. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much of this you've seen, but.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I will post a story or uh, someone will share on social media of what they're experiencing. And then, you know, 20 other women are like, oh my gosh, do we have the same situation? Like, this is exactly the same thing. So yeah, it's, it definitely feels like all of the exes, like, take the same class. They all go to the same school. They all take the same courses to learn how to, like, essentially sabotage any efforts to being a, you know, healthy co-parent.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And more often, and more often than not, they're not co-parents, right? They're counter-parents, right? Yes, they're yes. not the people who are going to co anything with you. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that. Um, I, I have a feeling it was probably like that before the divorce. Sure, right? They weren't a co, pro- you know, during a marriage, mm-hmm. right? They weren't a co in raising the kids, and so sort they're okay. not work out. Co- Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So can we
0: kind of, um, for listeners who are in it, you know, the stepmoms who are navigating that sort of dynamic, can we kind of, you know, define the high conflict and like that narcissism? Can we talk about that in like the, the, I guess the textbook clinical terms? Um, Because we throw those terms around a lot. um, And, You know, I I feel like sometimes there can be a lot of blame shifting when, you know, especially stepmoms who are explaining their situations to people who aren't in their situation, where Mm. it seems like the obvious answer is, oh, well, why don't you just not show up? Or why don't you just, you know, step back, stay in your lane, you know, do all this stuff. And it's like, okay, but that's not necessarily the problem. And the stepmom isn't always the problem stepmoms, yes, can be high conflict in some situations, but when you're up against a textbook person who will never, you know, really see how they are playing a part in it, you know, how do we, how do we navigate that? So can you define a little bit about, you know,
1: narcissism, high conflict? Yes, absolutely. I would be happy to. Um, So, you know, High conflict can absolutely be defined by going down a list of criteria and I'm happy, happy to do that. But first I want to say that high conflict is also kind of just, it's a vibration. It's a feeling, you know, it's the adults asking themselves, are we all here working for the best interests of this child, like what's, what's driving the bus here? What's driving the bus? Is it our anger and resentment at our ex for X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, perhaps an affair. Um, or is it that I really want to focus on my kid and the fact that he or she, you know, may be having a really difficult time in school right now with the distance learning. Mm-hmm. And um, as parents, you know, we're coming together. We're going to focus on that because that's why we're still here. We wouldn't be engaging if it weren't for that child or children. Right. So I kind of just want to say that like, it's just, it's the people who show up for the kids, for the kids, right. Not, you know, not to appear a certain way, not to make someone else mad you know but just because they genuinely care about the children they want to be in the children's lives and and therefore they care about and that's how family law works right like that's uh, allegedly mm-hmm. the number one principle is best interest of the child mm-hmm. right when it comes to custody mm-hmm. so i want to say that um having said that it, you know it depends um you know, who you're working with. Some people are more covert. Some people are more overt in, you know, being high conflict. You know, some people can be high conflict by stonewalling, you know, or being passive aggressive, right? So they're not necessarily coming at you and name calling and belittling and splitting, but, you know, they're behind the scenes you know, manipulating the situation in such a way that it's not in the best interest of the child. I would consider that a high conflict person, right? So it can look so many different ways. Um, But essentially we see a person who has a, a, has a pattern and a long history. So we're talking about narcissists. Let me first say this. Okay. We're all narcissists. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. We all have narcissism in us. It is basic survival, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so and I think narcissists, narcissism is thrown around. Yeah. So when I'm talking about a high conflict situation, I am mostly referring to those individuals who fall on the spectrum so far that they are doing harm to others mm-hmm. because of their narcissism. Um in a lot of cases, to their family members, to their children. And there is a seeming and an actual lack of remorse, mm-hmm. lack of how how is this going to impact my child if I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Just a, a, a comp- almost a complete lack of ability to step into another's position, their child... Even their child, and think for a moment, what what would it be like if I was in that situation? Okay? So mm-hmm. we're, we're lacking that. You know, in certain cases, when they're not covert, they can just be overtly abusive. They can be belittling, you know, they can they can um, say things. I mean, it's pretty common, I think, unfortunately, actually, in high conflict relationships for children to not only overhear but actually intentionally be told negative things about their stepmother about you know depending on who's talking about their father about their mother right and um that's the number one rule of divorce is we don't talk badly you know um and so someone who is more overt, they're just constantly, you know, doing like they're they're doing that smear campaign. they are minimizing, you know, whoever it is that we're we're trying to get rid of, I'll say they're minimizing that person's impact on on the family. they're um, maybe like looking to dig up some dirt on you that they can use against you and make you, you know seem like, you're not all that. I mean, you know, just a lot of, I guess those would be considered more of the covert behaviors. I mean, listen, there's some people that will just like slide right into your DMs yeah. and verbally assault you, right? There's those too. That's definitely a much more overt mm-hmm. aggression, um
0: so I don't know if I answered you yeah question. that's that's great and I think you just described I would imagine the listeners right now are going yep that sounds about right <laughs> um so when you are working with families are you working with the people who are on the on like the side where they're trying to navigate how to you know work with a
1: counterparent like that um hmm mm-hmm i in in those sorts of situations, the way that my practice is right now, I tend to work more on those sorts of issues, but with individual clients. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as needed as appropriate, we might pull in another family member or even the family. But honestly, usually when someone comes to me, because people don't come like preventatively, they they call a therapist right. and it's just on fire, right? <laughs> so we have to, um, so, yeah, so I think, that, you know, a good place to start. And that that individual person that's reaching out at that point also just needs so much individual support too, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't necessarily get from the family work, so um currently I'm doing a lot more of that sort of work through the individual.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk about two things when it comes to, you know, in the stepmom's pers- in the stepmom's perspective, you know, we are with our partners, we're trying to navigate our family life. We feel like there's this constant presence of this other person who is ready to attack at any moment. And even when things are calm, even when things are good, um, there's that little piece in the back of our minds that is like, it's only gonna be calm for so long, you know, there's something that's gonna happen. And there's there's that something that we don't often talk about or I don't see being talked about is that trauma response of, you know, you know, the stepmom's being like, Why can't I just enjoy the good? Like, why am I so anxious about it? And I want to label that in a way to, you know, normalize it in that. this is a trauma response. You have been traumatized over and over and over and over and over again by the rug being pulled out from you, the, you know, you think you are at a good place in your life and then boom, you know, there's custody issues. The kids are saying mean things to, you know, whatever it is. Um, Can we, can we speak to first what that is in general? And then, you know, what can stepmoms do to, Overcome or to navigate that that sort of emotional roller coaster.
1: Mm-hmm. And is that question in reference to just like as the kids develop and grow, or also in addition to high conflict situations where you're constantly getting hit with waves of drama? Yeah, the waves of
0: drama. I think is I think is where a lot of us are kind of like stuck in. You know,
1: how do we? It's it's a really tough one. I'll tell you why, because when you're constantly getting hit with waves of drama, it's, um, for some of us, I think for a lot of us, particularly for those of us who don't have, uh, who haven't done the, the work to heal our own trauma, it, um, it activates like whatever that is. Right. So whatever you haven't, you know, fully worked out from whenever, uh, for whatever reason, I think children in general will shine a light on those issues for parents. Mm -hmm. But I think step, the, the blended family in particular, because it's all about like becoming a new team and how does a team function? And yet we have you know, these external parties. And so depending, like, let's say your issue in your family of origin is that um, you never felt like you you got any emotional space in the house. You just felt like everyone took up, you know, there was just so much drama with whatever parent or whatever sibling was sick that you never got emotional space. So what happens When, um, something goes wrong in the blended family, if you haven't fully worked that out with your family of origin, that's the wound that gets triggered. And so you start to feel, you know, unseen, unimportant, um, you know, like there's, there's no room for you. Like there's not enough air to breathe and it's, it's directly linked, you know, to that original wound. And for that reason, I think sometimes in the moment we can overreact. In fact, sometimes in the moment, I think we do overreact, right? Because I think especially with the kids, with a contentious ex, that's a different story. But with the kids, um, I'm sure this isn't true about all kids. I don't know that they're ever looking to injure us truly in a moment, right? They don't have the executive functioning to, I mean, I'm making grand generalizations, obviously depending on their age, mm-hmm. but they don't have the executive functioning to like, think about, you know, especially in a, in a heated state mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's going to be the advice. Should I say, you know, we just, we have, we have, in most cases we haven't yet developed those kinds of skills, especially when we're angry. Most adults haven't even <laughs> developed up to those right. skills for when they're angry. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's a bit of an ask uh, sometimes to expect that of our children. We want to encourage that and teach that, you know, and model that for our children. But I think sometimes when, you know, they behave in such a way with us that feels disrespectful, it's very easy to go back to that original wound Mm -hmm. when it could just be that they're super hormonal on that particular day and their teacher was a dick to them or whatever. And to you it, you know, you go down that rabbit hole and it just becomes about something so different.
0: I feel I, the, and I think one of the biggest examples that keeps coming up for me in messages I get, or it's, you know, one of the biggest things is when, you know, a kid is upset and they're crying for their mom and as a stepmom, and you hear like, I want my mom, I want my mom. And you are sitting with this every day, trying to do the best you can, trying to show up in your family, try to prove yourself, trying to figure out where your role is. You immediately feel like I'm not good enough. Yes. I'm not good enough. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be with me. And it's like you go down this like emotional thing because that innocent kid has just struck something inside of you and you're like, what the fuck? And what I mean, I experienced that when my stepson was three and he would he would do that and he would cry for his mom. And I was just, it would like sad to admit, it would ruin my day because I was just like, I can't do anything right. Now I have my three-year-old daughter, and she does it. She does the same thing. And so now I'm understanding like it's 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 a developmental thing for kids to go. It wasn't that he was literally saying i don't like you get away from me you're not my mom type of thing at three he didn't have the mental capacity to do that uh yeah. um, you know so yeah i think i think we do take things a lot pers uh, we take things personally because of our own feelings that we're bringing into the picture which is totally normal yes. totally acceptable totally fine yeah but it becomes unhealthy or unproductive when we are unable to see that and then work through it in our own space. And then we that's take right. it out on our family, you know, that's right. and that's we with right. our family to read our minds, to know, to, you know, there's a lot of like your example, there's a lot of stepmoms that feel like they don't have their own space in their home or they feel like they're invisible in their own home or, you know, whatever it is. And absolutely, I'm sure that there are certain things that the family could do to help make the stepmom feel more seen, more included. But it's also there's definite work that needs to be done on the stepmom's side of going what is what how is this coming up for me? When yes. is it up for me? What can I do for myself? Because yes. it's not solely on the responsibility of your family, you
1: know. Yes. Yes and yes. And I can address that later like I'll, I'll give a couple of recommendations for how stepmoms can su- better support themselves. Um but I couldn't, you know, that's all about that personal accountability because to, you're absolutely right. We all are guilty of that. We project our stuff, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it hits something really raw, we project our stuff sometimes where it does not belong, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with a three year old. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's biological crying mm-hmm. mm-hmm. your mom. Right. I actually remember having a very similar day ruining experience it was a very long time ago. But I remember one of my girls was over at our house and she was like either having trouble sleeping or she had a really bad stomach ache, something like that. And in the morning, she was telling us about it. And I found out that, like, at three in the morning, She texted her mom Mm, because she wasn't feeling well or because she wasn't able to get. And I completely deteriorated. (laughs) Like it ruined. And the reason it not, it it didn't upset me that she reached out to her mom. It upset me that she wasn't feeling well in our house. And she didn't, I, I don't know why she chose to not come to us. And it wasn't even like she had to come to me. Like we were both there, right? But just the fact that, you know, and it's it same answer. You know, she wasn't anywhere close to three. She was probably a teenager. It's biological. Yeah. But when it happens, you don't remember that. It feels so personal. Yeah. It feels so incredibly personal. I have so been there. I, yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: I think another thing to just say about the projection it's also it also gets super complicated when you are as a stepmom you know in this relationship with your partner who has you know dealt with their own trauma either in the previous relationship or their own childhood stuff, and then they're projecting their stuff on what's happening like I just feel like that there's so many complexities, and that's why therapy is important for everyone. <laughs> to manage their own, yes. their own stuff that they're bringing to the table. So everyone, I mean, in a perfect world, everyone would be able to, you know, be like, okay, this is the healing that I've done. This is how I've worked through this. I see your traumas. You see my traumas. We're going to, you know, be, you know, healthy functioning people, but, you know, over and over you know, that's not the case. And so it's a lot of, I'm not going to take this personally. And I, you know, have to do some inner reflection and especially, you know, navigating the relationship with the bio mom when you expect, um, you know, it the relationship to be a certain way, that picture perfect thing or at least for them to be cordial and respectful and it doesn't end that way. And it's really hard not for, this, for the stepmom not to reflect and, you know, to think that they're the problem or to you know, in their home, they're trying to establish themselves, but they also have to remain small to not upset the ex. Um, so just.
1: It's, it's such a difficult position for the kids too. to mm-hmm. sure, I, because I know everyone experiences it. Um, and it's, I think it's harder um, when they're smaller, but I, I honestly think it's still pretty tough on them. And that is those transitional days, right? Mm-hmm. So going from the one house to the other. Um, I'm a really intuitive, empathic person. Like I feel other people's energies, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, those days are heavy for me. Like, and, and not so much so anymore, but um, the, the kids, they bring that energy, right? Mm-hmm. From the other house. And then they bring energy from our house to- to mom's house. Right. So, I uh, I'm particularly attuned to it, you know, but, um, what I pick up on is that it's incredibly difficult for them mm-hmm. that it's, you know, it's just, it's so, I think disorienting in some ways. And, um, I think a lot of, uh, kids of divorce feel like, you know, they spend a lot of their time living out of a suitcase Mm -hmm. And like, they never, you know, they often don't have the exact things that they need at the house that they're at. And, you know, like they, it's this feeling of um, being split.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It took me a little bit of time to, because my stepson, he's been doing the back and forth since before he can even remember. Um, My husband never married his mom and, you know, they split when he was like one and they've always had 50 50 one week on one week off um so for me it it, i kind of i think unfortunately minimized the impact for him in that transitional and then once i realized like no like things are really different in between the two houses like he really has to transition back and forth and now you know i we, my husband and I give him space. Like when he comes to our house, he usually will like, Hey guys, you know, like do hugs and stuff like that. And then he goes into his room and he's in his room for like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we encourage that time for him to kind of just like acclimate of, all right, I'm at dad's house now. Like this is these, this is my room. This is my toy. You know, he knows that he'll come upstairs and we'll have dinner, but yeah, it's, it's especially, you know, but, you know, back in the day, that probably would have hurt my feelings of he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be around us, you know, yes. and I, more personally,
1: yeah. Yes, Is that such a, a good example. Absolutely, absolutely. That oftentimes stepmoms will um, see their stepchild struggling to to acclimate back into their home. And depending on, you know, those unhealed wounds, they will personalize that when in fact it's truly not personal. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's the child just going through, you know, acclimating, you know, it's it's not how it used to be. And now it's like this and it takes a lot of getting used to.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So for
0: the STEM moms who are navigating high conflict stuff right now, do you have kind of like best practices in how to create boundaries, interact with the high conflict um individual?
1: Uh- um, if I if at all possible, I would say if you don't have to speak to them, but rather Right? Because it's you're usually writing about logistical things, right? Yeah. Um, it's always good to have a record, <laughs> a written record when you're dealing with a high conflict person, but that's not only that's not the primary reason I say that. Um, just for your mental well-being, you're less likely to get triggered right? If you're just like sticking to the facts, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of court systems, they actually order in high conflict situations that all the communication be done through, you know, a particular app, or, app mm-hmm. right? So it's different, different places, I think, but, um, you know, w- with that intention, right, just to minimize the, you know, the amount of FaceTime or the, you know, e- even like the amount of, communication, you know, because there, there's a tendency for, especially if things happen, you know, been wrapped up neatly, which they often aren't with a divorce, you know, people get easily hooked. And um, again, we're all just here for the best interest of the kids. Otherwise we probably wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> so I, you know, stick. To, so stick to the kids, stick to the facts around the kids. And if you can avoid talking, I would suggest that if it's a really high conflict person, Mm -hmm. Um, if you, and certainly you have to sometimes speak when you do, I would highly recommend uh, keeping it very brief, keeping it, you know, to the point, Mm -hmm. um, keeping all of your emotion out of it. Okay. So almost like you're addressing, um, a colleague. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. You are merely communicating certain information that this person needs to know because you have these joint interests, (laughs) right? In this case, it's your children. And, um, with your colleague, you're not going to get emotional. You're not going to get right. You're not going to get escalated. You're not going to get angry. You're not going to, I mean, hopefully you're not going to, you know, be pissed off for any reason. Right. So just because. what, yeah. Or what is, you know, more popularly called It's not a clinical term, great rock. Yeah. Just very, um, matter of fact um, keep it there. like imagine a gray rock kind of just sitting there. The intention uh, because the 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 highly conflict conflictual person want is looking for any kind of reaction out of you. doesn't matter what it, if it's screaming, you know screaming at them, great, right? If it's professing your undying love, Great. They're they're looking for supply, okay. And so when you use gray rock, you 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 aren't giving them that. And you know the idea is that if you do it consistently enough, that they won't get the supply that they absolutely need to live. Mm-hmm. That's their life force, and they will get bored and go and look for it elsewhere. Yeah.
0: It's- yeah, and you're no longer the target. There's someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I think another thing I'd like your uh, thoughts on is, you know, the stepmoms that are trying to essentially create that distance between them and that person. But obviously, then that makes it so their partner is having to do a lot of the interacting. And how do you support a partner through? you know having to navigate this really nasty ex situation do you work with like families in in supporting
1: one another you're talking about the stepmom supporting their partner stepmom through, supporting their partner yeah. absolutely well i mean i think that's one of the i think that is the foundation of all of it is that if And that's the foundation of marriage generally, right, is that if you don't have that strong couple foundation, it's ultimately not going to work, right? And that's particularly true, I want to say, when it comes to blended families and step-parent families, and so it goes both ways, right? You have to have his back, he has to have your back, other way around, Um, and you have to be a united front, right so um even though those aren't your bio kids um and you don't make the legal decisions um there is a way for couples to approach you know decisions when it comes to kids that allows the step parent that doesn't have you know the the legal whatever um, to still have a voice, right? Mm-hmm. To still um, be able to say what they feel about, you know, this important decision as it pertains to someone that they love. This is the other thing that I want to say. You know, what makes a blended blended family can look so different, right? And um, I actually was listening to one of your episodes that was so good um about uh, i was this woman who was talking about how her it looks like her marriage is coming to an end i think she's a colleague of yours maybe she's on the podcast yeah, yeah like. okay and um it was so interesting um she ha- i think she had so much wisdom there and that she was talking about you know like if the house doesn't have the foundation Right, it's ultimately going to crumble. And so I think because there isn't inherently so much um, splitting that goes on when you just first marry someone, right? There could be ex boyfriends and ex girlfriends, and there could be kids too, right? But for the most part, if there hasn't been a marriage, right? There isn't like this other major party chiming in on certain things that directly impact your life that nope. you as a stepmother don't get to chime in on. That feeling really uh, unfair and unbalanced, right? So, what I want to say is this in my particular case, my girls have two very actively involved biological parents. Okay. So you have to look at every situation differently. That podcast that I was listening to that one episode that did not sound like that was the case, right? That's like, there was a negligent mother in the mix, right. Who was do. Yeah. So um, you have to, you really have to do as a step parent, you have to do your best to put yourself in the shoes of the kids. Okay. So, Let's use my example. In my case, they have a biological mother and a biological father who are all up in the mix as it pertains to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, show me a kid that wants a third asshole telling them what to do. Right. Right. So, and that works really well with my general approach to life, which is I'm pretty laissez faire. I let people do their thing. Um, Sometimes that (laughs) comes back to bite me, but for the most part, like I give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. And, and I think that trans and by no means am I suggesting this, um, but what I do want to kind of um, discourage is take, and I'm not to be clear, I'm not encouraging a laissez-faire approach because it, it definitely has its pitfalls but I'm discouraging an authoritarian approach, right? An authoritarian approach, which is just very like my way or the highway sort of stuff. And particularly, and that's not who I am as a person, but particularly in my situation, if I was that person and I came at this family with these two involved bio parents and these two girls, and I was like, my way or the highway, Right, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I would have stopped being a step-parent, I think, a long time ago. You just, um, you have to remember that you are making the conscious choice to come in to an already existing family. hmm and that sometimes puts you at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. but you are making that conscious choice, right? And it's not on those kids to like, make it a cakewalk for you. Right. Sure. I, I got, I got, I think lucky. I also have like certain skills. Like I'm really good at activities. Right. I recommend like when you're first getting to know, um, kids, you know, who may become stepkids or. Always have an activity. Kids mm-hmm. don't want to sit around and talk to you about the election, right? <laughs> and right. I mean, they, they enjoy being asked about, you know, their likes, their interests, but they mostly enjoy they, doing what they one. That's yeah. how they communicate. That's how they express themselves. And that's what will be the most meaningful to them if yeah. you're really trying, trying, trying to develop a yeah. relationship, a bond. Is that face to face time? Bring an activity, and it's not uh, the face to face time with an adult looks like what you and I are doing, right? Right. I yeah. think a lot of step parents, especially if they haven't had children in their lives before, they again expectations. We are. have to consider our audience, yeah. right? I think. Um, I think for
0: like for you and I, with the situations that we're in, where there are two very active parents you know, it's, that is super important to consider um, when, you know, integrating into your blended family. I know I have a lot of listeners who are full-time stepmoms Yeah. and who don't have the other parent that's active. They call every once in a while, they see them, you know, once or twice a year. And so, you know, they're navigating something a little different and yes. you know, they don't, had those transition days they don't you know they are the active parent and you know that has its whole other side of you know blending uh that's a whole different world but it that's what it always comes back to but it always goes back to that like you have to have that foundation with your partner yeah and you have to have those conversations about expectations and you have to communicate about you know what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, and, and all that sort of thing, and you know, like uh, when, oh, I lost my train of thought there. Um, but bringing it back to navigating the 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 X on the other side of it, you know, um, it's it, there's conflict there when you know the X is intentionally trying to create drama and you know the stepmom feels like you don't have a place in this situation anymore like you're not even around like you're not e-, you know so i don't know like i guess all i'm trying to say is this shit is really complicated
1: it really is and ba- again that scenario back to the couple is king if the couple isn't at the very top that that sort of situation will absolutely break a family yep Right? Mm-hmm. The, the couple is king, right? And that and I think that's true in first marriages too. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens oftentimes in first marriages is they people have kids and they make the children king. Mm-hmm. By no means am I suggesting that the children aren't a top priority, right. but they completely forget. The reason we all started this whole thing, right? The (laughs) two of us. Um, And so, yeah, same principle, but even more so, I think, with the remarriage because of all of these external forces that cause pressure to the relationship that wouldn't necessarily exist if you're both married for the first time. Right. They could, they could, but you know, usually they don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, you had mentioned some tips or some.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, by no means am I like pr- promoting my profession when I say this, I genuinely say it because I really, really believe it. And I think you actually said the same words earlier. Therapy is really helpful for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It really is, especially if there's something that's unresolved, unattended to, you know, unprocessed, Um, it's still there, Mm -hmm. still in there. And it's not doing anything good to you in there, right? And then by still being in there, it makes you so much more susceptible to being triggered in these situations. And I'll tell you, I have had moments over the years where, you know, my uh, like I get red hot and my blood is boiling. And, you know, I'm I feel disrespected or whatever it is, right? And I'll like stomp in. And I'm like, this just happened. And I have, I this is what I want to say. And then I, of course, never act on it because we never should, right, in that moment. <laughs> right. Okay. Particularly since we're talking to our child who is a minor, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't address it the same way that you would with another adult. or sure. yeah. And I will tell you in every single instance when I would then talk to my best friend about it, sleep on it, I would be like, oh my God, Thank God I did not go in there and say that to her because yeah, she was kind of being a pill, but 89% of that was about me. Yeah. You yes. know, and I wouldn't have done so much damage to the relationship in that moment because of my stuff. That's not always the case. Step kids can sometimes be straight, disrespectful, and mean. That's not what I'm talking about here, right? We need very different sorts of boundaries with those situations. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's
0: like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's all like a learning experience too, because I feel, I mean, what you just described is also what I experienced with my daughter, where I'm like, I know that I am reacting not because she's being three. She's being a kid. She is doing her normal thing i am realizing that i'm reacting and i'm stressed out because i didn't prepare i'm in it i'm running late i didn't get enough sleep i am hungry or like whatever these things are and i'm reacting differently and so it's it's the it's just parenthood in general stepmothering aside you know is is hard because it's a constant reflection of you and it is making you see the nitty gritty shit that you have within you and kids bring that out in you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think if you're someone who's unwilling to look at that nitty gritty shit, you're not likely to make it as a stepmom, because you're going to get constantly triggered and you're going to end up blowing up and you're going to blow up relationships. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you can't
0: look at it. Right. And, and I feel like, that can seem on one hand very daunting to think you need to go manage your stuff, right? But on the other hand, ladies, that is the only thing we have control over. That's the That's only correct. thing we have control over in our blended family life. Correct. We can't change the ex. We can't change our partners. We can't change the kids. We can try our best to influence. We can try our best to create strategies and and to have our, our solutions and stuff like that. But at the yes. end of the day,
1: the only thing that we can do is work on yeah. how we we'll react to things. And that, that brings me to my next tip, yeah. right? Is that the only, to remind yourself if you need to create a visual reminder of what do I have control over? And taking us back to gray rock, we don't have control over when someone is coming at us in a manipulative way, when someone is trying to gaslight us, when someone is just like overtly being cruel and abusive, we can't control that. What can we control? Our response. Mm -hmm. We can scream back. We can be aghast at their behavior. We can hang up on them. I would not recommend doing any of those (laughs) things (laughs) because those are all reactions. Mm -hmm. Those are all reactions. So instead... It's statements like and I want to give Tina Swivin. Um, are you familiar with her? She has one mom vlog. She has this really great list of um gray rock go-to statements. What does she call it? Uh she has a really cute term for it. It's, it's on her. If you go to one mom's blog, it's on her, um, thing, but it's all of these just, and, and other, you know, people have them as well, like really good go-to statements when Mm -hmm. someone highly manipulative is either trying to smear you or trying to hook you, you know, or, you know, anything like that Mm -hmm. is, you know, statements like, um, my recollection of those events uh is not in line with yours. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I see you trying to paint me in a negative light and I'll make note of that. Yeah. You know, if there's like a legal thing, right, then you can my right. even more legal speak to it. I'll let my attorney know that um you are attempting to once again paint me in a negative light.
0: Ooh. I like that. Ladies, write that down. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, If you give me the information to to her, I will put that in the episode notes because I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. She's a really great resource.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, um, any other tips or final words of wisdom for the stepmoms
1: that are navigating this this kind of crazy? Um, So. I, the other thing I I want to say but I bet a lot of your stepmoms are, are your listeners stepmoms are already doing this which is why they're listening to your podcast <laughs> um I think podcasts like this are incredibly helpful incredibly validating especially for for uh, honestly at every stage but especially for newer step parents that are just like what the hell have I gotten myself into? It's incredibly validating to have other people that are either currently walking that same path or who are past it better than to talk to those who are past it. And for those people to validate and say, this is so normal. You are not, you know, you, I mean, I hope you haven't just made the mistake of your life, but what you're feeling is, so normal, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I went through the exact same thing, and this is what my so talking my recommendation would be talk to other stepmoms mm-hmm. and do that before becoming a stepmom, yeah, not just after, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, do legwork, do the research, yeah. and the other thing I want to say that's obviously related, um. And i like, I'm going to say this, and then I don't even know if it really is out there and it exists. But I have this fantasy, and I have had this fantasy of actually facilitating it. I just haven't gotten there yet. Uh, stepmom support group. Mm. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of stepmom so, support groups? Um, that's
0: kind of, I mean, I don't know if I would call it a support group. Um, so in my membership, um, I do a membership through a patron. And, um, Two of the tiers, we do a virtual like stepmom group, um, and given my educational background and what I do for a living outside of this platform, um, I, I there is a therapeutic feel to it, um, but I I don't call it a support group, but it it's definitely a space where stepmoms can come together, chat about what's going on, chat about you know the certain topics that are collectively happening for them come up with coping skills and you know and that sort of thing um i don't i i think i've been asked many times like i live in this area do you know of any like you know kind of similar to what you do with your divorce empowerment where there's no i i don't know of anything like that i feel like especially now in the covid era everything is moving towards more virtual anyway so it doesn't matter where you are which can be really great um but, yeah, I don't, I, I feel it, stepmoms are still very, even though we make up, like, almost 50% of, like, married couples now, um, that it, it's still, we're still very invisible when it comes to the support that we need. And, and step, step parents in general, stepdads, too. Um, and there's even less support for stepdads. I couldn't
1: agree more yeah. with all of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with all of that. And I think oftentimes it's only until you are talking to another stepmom and like you'll say something like, Have you ever thought about maybe like joining a stepmom's group that they realize like the level of of support that they really do need on that issue. Like, I think it doesn't occur to most people, right? Like I'm not an alcoholic. I don't need a group, right? Like, or I'm not, you know, whatever people go to groups for, I'm not getting divorced. I don't need a group. Like, you know, I don't even think it occurs Mm -hmm. to a lot of people that this is an issue that absolutely like you need community for, you need other people who have walked the journey to yep. support and validate you because it's not like anything else. It really isn't. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you just
0: nailed the largest reason why I started this platform in general is because I felt super alone in my own journey. And I'm just like, I, I know I can't be the only one experiencing these things. And, you know, they're on the spectrum of stepmoms, you know, there there's one side of it and then there's the other side of it. And I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. So I wanted to create a space where, hey, this is the situation I'm in. This is the kind of, you know, dynamic we have. And this is the way that I'm feeling and I'm, I need to get it off my chest. And then to allow, you know, to say to other women, like, it's okay if you feel these things, like that is so empowering um, in your own healing and your own, you know, um, coping through these really, really hard, hard dynamics. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. I think the
1: more community, the better. And finding yes. the right community is is kind of a thing. Yes, maybe you and I, I don't know what you do as a for as a profession, your day job. Yeah. let me, you and I could launch a group. Oh,
0: yes, yes, we could. We should t- chat about that off air. We're going to keep it secret for now. <laughs> um, fun. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your wisdom and chatting all things stepmom. mom um, Truly a pleasure, Christina. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And um, I will put all of Michelle's information. I know that there's a lot of stepmoms moms um, in your area, um, in LA and, and all that stuff. So Um, if you want to reach out to Michelle, you can also, um, what's your, how can
1: they find you on Instagram? So I am at dr.logvinsky, L O G V I N S K Y. Um, and there's a link there to my website. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes too. So I think I, you can also find me just like on psychology today Just search my name. Yeah. Cool. All right.
0: Well, thank you again. And everyone else, I um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Be well and stay radical. All right, ladies, the episode is over, but do you want a little more? Come find me on Instagram and join the community at Radical Stepmoms Podcast or schedule a one-on-one session and get that personalized support or become a Radical member and gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and merch. Radical Stepmoms is so much bigger than a podcast. Check out the details and the notes on this episode.